Welcome to another episode of the Pirate Monk Podcast. Yes, coming to you practically live via the marvels of modern technology. From what do we dub this place? Uh, I, I, we can we can come up with. Uh, <laughs> we keep moving the studio around now, but we're kind of we're kind of. I feel like we're in a clubhouse. I really do. Uh, not 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 a not a the sort of clubhouse that would be at the end of the 18th green, but more like the kind of a clubhouse that would be high in a tree when you're 13 years old. Uh, so anyway, I, I'm your uh, uh, host. Where, where uh, one of the are hosts. you guys? I, where, uh, you know, I am the listening audience at this moment. Where in the world are you? Uh, we are in a bedroom in Mark's house. Uh, we're sitting next to uh, uh, a double uh, a, a, no, a bunk no, bed. No, don't, 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 don't tell me anymore. I'm picturing Yoko and John right okay. now. You are <laughs> doing good. a sit-in, doing the podcast. That's how I'm picturing All right. you if and If that Mark. helps you, if that helps you. <laughs> Mark is wearing a charming negligee. I... <laughs> <laughs> Oh my! Oh, what we do, what we do for ministry—it's amazing. <laughs> anyway, I'm Nate Larkin. I'm here with uh, Mark Whitlock, our executive producer and overall—I don't know—wizard, something like that. Yeah, yeah. and we also have uh, another uh, guest with us today, a uh, local Samson guy. He's been around these parts for a while. Lee Marcus is. We're going to hear some more from. We're going to hear some of Lee's story today, and I think maybe if we do a mini meeting, uh, Lee will join in. Great to be here. Yeah, and of course, joining us from the opposite side of reality, Aaron Porter. How are you doing out there, man? Oh, doing doing great. Okay. Yes. <laughs> All right. I, uh, I don't know how detailed you were asking for, but I'm doing just fine. It's a lovely eight o'clock in the morning. Oh, that's true. Yeah, and it's interesting. We we, we actually did the uh, the standard thing. How you doing? Great. You know, so that, that's that's about as you know transparent as, and real as we get here on the podcast. Not. Uh, Gosh. <laughs> yeah. Well, fellas, what do you say we start out uh, today's uh, podcast by just having ourselves a little mini meeting? Awesome. I could use one. Uh, everybody vote for a mini meeting. We're in. Okay. We have Hands a consensus. Raised. Okay. All right. Quorum. Okay. Uh, Aaron, will you lead the mini meeting? Yes, I will. All right. And Welcome. Lee Marcus, will you join us in the meeting? I would love to. All right. Then that is what we shall do. Go ahead, Aaron. Well, Welcome to this mini-meeting of the Samson Society. We are a company of Christian men. We are also natural loners who have recognized the dangers of isolation and are determined to escape them. Natural wanderers who are finding spiritual peace and prosperity at home. Natural liars who are now finding freedom in the truth. Natural judges who are learning how to judge ourselves aright. Natural strongmen who are experiencing God's strength as we admit our weakness. As Christians, we meet at other times for worship, for teaching, or for corporate prayer. Today, however, we meet to talk. Our purpose is to assist one another in our common journey. We do so by sharing honestly out of our own personal experience the challenges and encouragements of daily Christian living in a fallen world. We have now reached the sharing portion of our meeting. In sharing, we speak honestly out of our own experience. We tell the truth about ourselves, knowing that our brothers will listen to us in love and will hold whatever we say in strictest, strictest confidence. confidence. 
We try to keep our comments brief, taking care to leave plenty of time for others. We address our statements to the group as a whole rather than directing them toward any one person. As a rule, we refrain from giving advice to others or instructing them during the meeting, believing that such conversations are best reserved for private moments between friends. The suggested topic today is... Regret. Regret. Okay. Uh, we are not confined to this subject. You may speak about any issue that currently commands your attention. The floor is now open for anyone who wishes to speak. I'm Nate. Hey, Nate. Hey, Nate. Hey, Nate. Uh, yes, and I have, uh, I have no shortage of regrets. Uh, there is this uh, line that gets read in 12-step meetings a line from the big book. It's one of the promises that uh, on down the road in recovery, we shall not regret the past or wish to shut the door on it. And I suppose in some ways that's true of me. I don't beat myself up anymore uh, for uh, the damage I caused during my years of active addiction, but I still cannot help but feel some sadness and uh, probably some shame as well. Uh, as I get some more clarity on how clueless and destructive I was during those years. Uh, Allie likes me to read to her. It's a good way for her to go to sleep. And the book we're on right now is one that I first read 25 years ago. It made an impact then, even though I was only semi-conscious at the time, a book by Theodore Rubin, M.D., called Compassion and Self-Hate. And... Uh, it's it's so good to reread this book. What Dr. Rubin, you know, he posits what he proposes is that all of us human beings we we struggle with this dichotomy. There is a part of us that is uh, self-censoring and self-hating that takes its clues from parents and culture and people around us. Uh, clues about what about us is acceptable and what isn't. Um, and there is also within us kind of this pull toward compassion and grace. I believe that's the presence of God. At any rate, um, what Dr. Rubin says, and it's, this is, I believe, part of universal uh, kind of common grace. Uh, truth is truth no matter where it comes from. Uh, what Dr. Rubin says is that when we get the message that some part of us is unacceptable, uh, we begin to hide that part. And uh, we can actually become to, to hate that part of ourselves. And for some of us, this, uh, this pattern of self-hatred can drive us, as it certainly drove me, to create a false self this bright and shiny, grandiose self that's really delusional about who I really am, uh, that really tries to be perfect and pure and, and good and sees myself only that way so I don't own my own darkness. And uh, so I have come into contact lately with a, a fellow in his uh, late 30s or early 40s who's very much in that mode and I was very angry with him for a few weeks because he's causing so much damage. And then uh, today, this morning, in a moment of clarity, I saw me when I saw him. 
I saw me at that stage in my life. Uh, I was mystified why there were some people who hated me. Uh, I was clueless about the damage that I was doing because I really thought that I was uh, a good person, bright and shiny, a bit of a martyr, certainly misunderstood because I was not able to um, acknowledge uh, my own darkness, and I wasn't able to get right-sized. So anyway, I'm grateful in recovery. I think the great task of recovery is to become right-sized, to join the human race, no longer to be above or below the common run of humanity, and to experience really God's grace for who I am, just to be who I am, where I am. I'm very grateful for that, but at the same time, I, I do regret the damage that I caused, not just in my family, to my wife and my kids, the messages I passed to them, but, the, but to the people who had the great misfortune of working with me during those years. Uh, and I suppose uh, this probably is going to impel me toward another round of amends. Uh, I think I have made some shallow amends in the past where I have not truly seen the level of damage I did. So anyway, a sobering way for me to start my day, but that exactly is where I am. Thanks. Bye. Thanks, Nate. Thanks, Thanks Nate. Nate. My name's Lee. Hey, Lee. Hey, Lee. So this is a sobering uh, topic, regret. I What comes to my mind right away is just the regret of how I've treated my family and those closest to me, loved ones, friends, um, in my, as Nate says, active addiction, which for me is uh, codependence, toxic shame, and rage. I regret, um, you know, not listening uh, to family members who were trying to speak into me in love. I regret um, being so narcissistic in in wanting to do whatever I wanted to do because I had a reason of uh, a tough childhood. And I just regret um, not owning my own issues and my own problems. And, and I re it, it makes me think of uh, some of the tenets of the Samson Society, of, you know, not just looking to, to inflict this on others, but to really take ownership uh, myself. So with that, um, that's the real sobering part. And um, just as Nate said, the compassion, the grace, the acceptance, the love that, that God has for me right now, where I'm at, and um, just being thankful that, that I'm on... Um, maybe this side of the extreme craziness and acting out that I had. I'm glad to be here. I'm Lee. Thanks, Lee. Thanks, Thanks Lee. Lee. Well, I'm Aaron. Hey, Aaron. Hey, Aaron. Uh, I think two things really come to mind for me with regret. <clears throat> the first is uh, a big internal kind of just bad feeling towards the idea there were a few people within um 
<laughs> How do I say this without outing people? Uh, there, there's, uh, there's a few people that I've been around in my life for a very long time, and the word regret comes up uh, at least weekly, and so much of what they do is motivated by that word that they're afraid of what they'll regret, but then they don't seem to enjoy what they end up doing. So I kind of feel like I've developed a strange relationship with the word because that was so bothering to me that I, I kind of felt like I never wanted to fear regret. And so now it feels kind of lopsided in my life where I have to understand where what its place is. I don't know if any of this makes sense. It feels like a confusing word that it needs to have a role in my life where, uh, especially as my children get older, I look at certain things and I think there's an honesty that I need to have before them with uh, looking back and saying, okay, I'm, I'm seeing with more clarity and maturity what, what I could have done better while not getting sucked into that as a mire, but I just I feel like there's something relationally healthy within that word, um, as I've only seen an extreme bad fear-based version of the word. So I don't know. For me, bringing up the word today feels like I need to explore it more and uh, consider uh, even even what you were saying, Nate. I resonated with that. That maybe it needs to just be rethought about and possibly. Some new amends need to be made or clarified that would be good for my own heart. So, as muddled as that was, that's what I think of with regret right now. Thanks, Aaron. Thanks, Aaron. Thanks, man. I'm Mark. Hey, Mark. Hey, Mark. Hey, Mark. Um, I looked up the definition of regret because... Um, I didn't want to twist it in my head. And one of the things that I saw in the online dictionary I pulled up was that uh, it has to do with a sense of sadness or a missed opportunity, something that that was missed, um, as opposed to just kind of a general sadness. And I think that that really speaks to um, what I'm what I'm feeling today about that word. Um, I have. I have great regret uh, over the things that I haven't done, over the things that I procrastinate to do. Mm-hmm. Um, for uh, for an example, uh, one of my big issues is money. Um, and as I continue to work on it, I realize more and more what a bigger issue it is than I ever imagined it was. And, uh, so I made a commitment to my wife that, um, that we would talk about money on a regular basis. There is no, um, uh, how do I put this? Um, there's no pain in talking about it. There is a a desire to talk about it on her side. There, there's, there won't be any shame. There won't be any. Um, recrimination. There probably won't even be um, uh, anything other than the, the normal arm wrestling that goes on around it. It's not an easy topic, but, um, and I haven't done it. I haven't done it. Um, 
Sunday night after Sunday night goes by and I, I don't do it. And uh, I have my reasons, uh, my excuses, my justifications for why it didn't happen this week. And uh, so I have regret over missed opportunities, especially when it comes up. Um, I don't know what to do with building regret, mounting regret, when regret stacks on top of other regrets. And uh, that's, that's hard. And, and, you know, maybe, maybe there needs to be more grace with myself. Maybe, you know, maybe I need to accept the words of, of my Silas when I check in this stuff. But, you know, there are days when I feel like if uh, my missed opportunities uh, with the things I didn't do, the things I procrastinated, the things that I failed to do, if they were sheets of paper on a desk from the 1970s in an inbox, that inbox would be piled up to the ceiling and overflowing and there'd be reams of paper on the floor. And so there are days that I look at this mounting regret and I go, I can never get through it. Mm-hmm. I can never process all that paperwork. And so I feel failure and I feel a sense of, of uh, doom. You know, what's going to happen here? Um, I, when I was a kid, when I was a teenager, they, uh, they jokingly called my room the shrine. My friend Todd called it that. Uh, I, I came to Christ at 14, and I, I quickly found a community of other believers in my high school through Fellowship of Christian Athletes. And I found a sense of identity in Christian music. Christian music was fledgling at the time. Um, you bought the stuff, you know, you bought your mm-hmm. LPs at a bookstore yeah. and it was kind of hidden in the back of the bookstore. And, um, you know, uh, there, there, I even grew up in Atlanta and there wasn't a, a Christian radio station, music station to listen to. Wow. There was WNIV on the AM, AM dial, but you had to be between the buildings just right and kind of <laughs> closer to downtown Atlanta here. And there was this awesome station out and coming out in the middle of nowhere. And, uh, I mean, I remember some Saturdays, you know, driving, you know, my dad's car up to a mountain to try to get line of sight with this FM signal out of coming to hear a scratchy DJ count down, you know, the top 20 songs in Christian music. Um, but I found this identity in Christian music and, uh, I got to be really good friends with the, um, and this is, here I am telling a really long story again. Go ahead. Um, got to be really good friends with a music buyer. And so he would give me a heads up. Hey, the guy from Sparrow Records is coming in. Do you want to come over today? Oh, hey, the guy from Word is coming in. Do you want, you want to come over? And so I come over and I meet these sales guys. Yeah. And they would load me up with demos and posters and what they called flats. So imagine an LP cover, but just the cover, just the face, not the back, not nothing inside of it. And they'd load me up with stuff and concert tickets. And I mean... It was awesome. I was the go-to guy. I knew more about it than anybody else. I was probably the only person in my zip code who had a subscription to CCM Magazine right. at the time. And so I put all those posters and everything up on my wall. And all that long story to say this, they call my room the shrine because the artist I resonated most with at the time was Amy Grant. And uh, um, I, I probably knew at that time, uh, up through uh, Unguarded, I could probably sing every lyric Mm-hmm. on her records that's how much of a, a an uber fan i was people thought i had a crush on her maybe i did i was a teenage guy what do you do with that but yeah um i really resonated with her music 
And I think it was, um, don't quote me on this, but I think it was after her divorce, she did a candid interview with somebody and they asked her, well, don't you regret all these things that have gone on? And I wish I had this attitude about my stack of paper. Mm -hmm. She said, no. And I'm gonna, this is a paraphrase. I don't remember the exact quote. No, because if I hadn't been through all of those experiences, I wouldn't be the person I am right now. Yeah. God used that to make me me. Yeah. I want to have that perspective. I want to live a life of no regrets. Yeah. Because I see how God uses. Yeah. These things that I've procrastinated, these things that I've blown, and these failures and the train wrecks in my past to make me me. Yeah. To make me the person he's making me to be. I'm Mark. Thanks, Mark. Thanks, Mark. Thanks, Mark. All right. We will be back in a moment on the Pirate Monk Podcast.
Welcome back to the Pirate Monk Podcast. And before we dive into our conversation with our guest, uh, just a quick reminder, August 19th through 21, 2016, uh, out in Colorado, the After the Miracle event. So grateful uh, that eight men have already registered and uh, are coming. Uh, So that means the number of spaces is shrinking. So if you've been thinking about registering for the After the Miracle uh, retreat in Colorado, August 19 through 21. Please, right now, come to PirateMonkPodcast.com, click on the link and register. Uh, it's $200 for a Friday night through Sunday afternoon, jam-packed with community, lots of time to uh, interact with other men, lots of time to um, be alone uh, with Christ and, and and see what he's doing in your life, and great content from Nate, from uh, David Hampton, a past podcast guest, and, and Nate's uh, Silas, as well as Aaron Newton and me. Uh, we'll be uh, we'll be sharing some thoughts uh, that weekend as well. So uh, we're down. We have, uh, if I'm doing my math right, uh, about 46 spaces left. I want you to be a part of that. Yeah, you know, and we 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 selected as the site for this conference. We we picked a state where there's I think one or two Samson meetings. Uh, far away. Uh, it's not like we're having it in the middle of uh, prime Samson territory. This is this is this is a retreat where you get away to one of the most picturesque spots in the country, but it's going to take a commitment, a road trip with a bunch of guys, or a flight uh, to get yourself to Denver and then to Colorado Springs and then to keep going up the mountain, up into the beautiful Pike National Forest, there in the shadow of Pike's Peak, to Bear Trap Ranch, and uh, yeah. I don't think we need oxygen. It's not that high. <laughs> but pure mountain air, it's going to be a great time. Really looking forward to it. So please come to PirateMonkPodcast.com and register today. We've had three men register as volunteers. So uh, we're going to be able to, uh, to potentially help with some transportation and other things. And we've also had our first scholarship come in. So grateful for that. All right. So if, if you need help financially making it happen, you are willing, but... Uh, for whatever reason, uh, the trip out costs too much. Please let us know before you decide you won't do it. And if you are listening and cannot come to the retreat, but think, you know what, I would like to put $100 or $200 towards another man being able to go, uh, then write in and Mark will hook all of that up. So make sure you just keep us posted. You can do all that right from uh, PirateMonkPodcast.com and clicking on the link to the retreat. Uh, we look forward to hearing from you, and we've heard from from many of you. Uh, don't wait. Again, 46 spots remain. Those are going to fill up fast. Please register today. All right. Well, guys, do wait. See, this is the crazy <laughs> thing about I, every men's Says event man I've just ever talked done. about procrastinating. Men's, every men's event I've ever done. Yeah. Okay. Well, we have Lee Marcus in the house. And Lee, how many years ago was it that you found your way into a Samson meeting for the first time, and how did that happen? Yeah, first of all, I'd like to say thank you. I'm very grateful to be here this morning. And uh, to answer your question, Nate, it was September uh, of 2008, maybe a little later, maybe as late as uh, December. I might have come once uh, in September and then found myself with regularity in December of 08. Yeah, wow, amazing. Yeah, so what what precipitated that was I felt uh, for the first time uh, that I was experiencing something called rage Mm -hmm. that I didn't know what was, uh, what it was, and it scared me to death. Mm. 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 And 
did you feel like your marriage was in the crosshairs at that point? What was at stake? What were you protecting? Yeah. Um, well, I, I, I moved from uh, Memphis to Franklin, and I accepted a job in, in the career path that I'd been in for 20 years. And very abruptly, I was asked to leave uh, the job that brought me to Franklin. Yeah. And um, so uh, everything was at stake. Mm-hmm. Uh, who I was professionally, my marriage was showing pretty significant signs of going south yeah and um physically i was feeling stuff that i had never felt before yeah yeah what what did that uh and i love the fact that you came to a samson meeting i'm glad that you didn't pick up on this popular misconception that samson is for sex addicts and sex addicts only uh you know one of the great truths of recovery is that all addicts share an inner architecture that every every addict in recovery can help another addict, uh, and even that word addiction uh, or addict is kind of loaded and and not always necessary and not only not always helpful. But you found your way to an authentic brotherhood with other guys who are facing their brokenness together, experiencing grace together, walking toward healing together. Um, yeah, I'm so glad you you made your way. Do you remember? I'm fascinated. I don't know if we ever talked about this. Uh, do you, do you remember how you found us? The uh, the guy who's battling with rage. First of all, I, I guess I got two questions. What were you feeling? How do you desc- how would you d- describe your experience of rage in those days? Um, it would come over me, and um, I would lash out verbally, uh, sometimes physically, and then when it dissipated. I felt like I was hung over. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. By the way, I would say from the surveys we've done that rage is maybe the number two presenting problem that drive guys to Sam- drives guys to Samson. Uh, it's a real, real common thing among men and women. It seems, just from my perception anecdotally, that it's more common to men than to women, although uh, we do have brothers in the fellowship married to women who struggle with rage. And so they experience that same kind of helpless wave that carries them into saying and doing things that are uncharacteristic, followed by uh, this enormous deep pit of regret and recrimination and self-hate and all of that kind of stuff. Yeah. Do you remember? Do you remember how you happened to find I, Samson? I, I do. Um, there was a, a good friend I have in the area. Um, and he is into the, the physical fitness world. He's uh-huh. in the kettlebell world. David Ebert, just great guy. Uh-huh. And although he had never been to a Samson meeting, he had heard uh-huh. through some folks that um, he, he trusted that, that, that they had gotten some relief yeah. from Samson. So I went as a referral from someone who had never, ever been, but yeah. just heard wonderful things that, that you could get some help there. I remember you showing up, man. I really do. Uh, how long had you been married at that point? So in 08, I'd been married 12 years. Yeah. And um, Holly saw a side of me that uh, she had never seen in, yeah. uh, in the three years that we had dated and uh, up to the 12 years that we had been married. Yeah. That must have frightened her. It did. Yeah. It frightened her a lot. Yeah. Can you just describe for us kind of how 
how reality and truth has unfolded for you some more during your your time at Samson? Kind of where's the journey gone? Yeah, that's that's a great question. Uh, I wrote a few notes down just to, to stay focused. Um, it, I, I wrote breathe. Like I was able to breathe when I was in there uh, in the circle. Yeah, yeah. I could breathe. Yeah. And totally be me. Yeah. And that was just awesome. Um, but, you know, the fact speaks about, I think it's number five, that, um, you know, God, regardless of all my mm. stuff, all my out, out my all my rage, all all the things that I had done that that I really regretted, that he still loved me. Yeah, yeah. And so that was a foundational premise that I had and yeah. still have, that that God loves me. And I was speaking to Mark before um, we started in this morning. Every time I went to a Samson meeting and sat next to a brother, and he could be going through any, many number of different things. When I left, I felt like by being in, the, in attendance, Nate, it was a shame diminisher. Yes. I don't know of a better shame reduction uh, activity than attending a meeting. Because shame drives us to darkness and hiding, and when I step into the light with other brothers, shame diminishes. I'm sorry, Aaron. Well, I was going to say, I think for some people, they might have the question, uh, especially wives, because I know, Nate, you and I have been accused of being bad influences on husbands uh, by wives who don't understand that shame diminishing does not mean excusing right. what you came in ashamed about, right. but rather finding love and a more true gospel perspective can i can i read the fact because i think what lee was talking about if people haven't been to the meeting they might not understand that for a lot of guys this is part of their liturgy that they need to return to on a consistent basis to anchor their hope and have their shame remo removed by the gospel. So can I read the fact that is read at every meeting? Right, right. The, our listeners who don't attend regular meetings only come to many meetings. They don't get to hear the fact, but those who go to regular meetings hear this every time they come through the doors. Go ahead, Aaron. So when you come in, uh, we read the fact, which is, God exists. In the timeless mystery of the Trinity, he is perfectly harmonious, perfectly whole. God is our creator. He designed us to live in eternal harmony with him and each other and to care for the rest of his creation. Spurning God's fellowship, we have all sinned, forfeiting our created place and losing our spiritual lives. I myself have personally defied God's laws and rejected his love. Alienation from him has produced darkness and chaos in my life for which I've often blamed others. God has continued to love me, even in my active rebellion and in Christ has done everything necessary to restore me perfectly to himself. As I accept responsibility for my sin and find forgiveness in the finished work of Christ, I experience reconciliation with God and am progressively restored to harmony with myself and others. 
Despite the lingering effects of sin, I am a restored son of the sovereign Lord, whose spirit is at work in my weakness, displaying his glory and advancing his kingdom. That is the fact. And I loved your use of the word liturgy, Aaron, because that does, it takes on liturgical significance to me. I love being re-centered on the fact of the gospel uh, before I embark on a frank and honest conversation about my sin with other people. I need the gospel in order to do it. Yeah. So uh, go on. So then I found, um, I found that I needed more. I found that um, walking into a Samson meeting, as my brother Art Armin says, is it, it, it opens and directs so many other doors. Yeah. And one I shared with Mark that I want to speak from my own heart, and this is uh, something that helped me, is that, that there was a pharmacological aspect to this, uh-huh. Uh-huh. and that I needed to to, to see and and. Uh, Go to an MD that that I that I really trusted, yeah, and to to determine if there were some other things going on, right? That the meetings couldn't really address because sure know, they're, they're inside and head. Um, so I, I, that was part of the journey that that, that mm-hmm. really helped. And when I said I needed more, um, you know, I needed a, a Silas. Mm-hmm. I needed somebody that I could talk to. After I would leave a meeting, I was like, I wanted to talk more. Yeah. And I wanted someone that I could trust. Yeah. That who would get to know me and know them. So that part of, of, of having a Silas was, was just essential. Yeah, 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 yeah. Wow. Uh, I love watching men unfold in fellowship to see a guy come in who's pretty tightly wrapped who's holding his cards very close to his chest and uh, doing his very very best uh, to to, to project uh, the best image and make the best impression and uh, (laughs) and and then over time to see that guy relax and unfold and reveal to himself and to us more of who he really is right then to see more healing come in time to see it's not as though you changed for the better lee i it's as though um christ in you was able to um find fuller expression and uh, as as uh those fleshly parts of you you know as, as and that ongoing battle between flesh and spirit um, you've moved in a spiritual direction it's been a beautiful thing to watch and I I've I've loved to watch your friendship with other men I remember when our our buddy Daniel Rasm was in town and there's a guy who shouldn't have fit in the fellowship because he didn't look like any of us and uh and in a, you know, just the battle of a lifetime, the kind of guy who I would imagine you and I would have walked by a hundred times and never noticed. Yeah, absolutely. I certainly walked by Daniel Rasm and not noticed him the first time I saw him. I never saw him there. It was Pete Gall who saw him about an hour later and said, you've got to come meet this, <laughs> this you know, 
this black crack addict. But I remember the friendship that you formed with Daniel during the time that he lived here. And when it was time for him to leave, you wanted to make sure to be with him for that last meal in Nashville and to go for us to go together to the bus station. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I've seen you know that kind of you you've you've made an awful lot of friendships in this fellowship, haven't you? You know, I, I have needed. I'm just humbled. I, I, I've got you. You know, you speak. Uh, you spoke about having three. Yeah, three men. And I got those three, and and many, many more. Um, uh, yes, I've. I, I, I tell people. I, you know, I've I've got a lot of guys who are there for me. Yeah, and who have my back and. Who hopefully I have their back, but yes, the friendships that I've developed and uh, sustained um, are are incredible. I do have one little antidote. When I first got uh, my Silas in, in speaking to this uh, topic of shame, he I wrote him a text that said, um, "Hey, bro, I really need to talk. Can you call me?" And he responded back hey Lee can I get back with you later and I took that as he didn't give a crap about me Uh he didn't care and I was like throwing the phone down I was like F him and then somebody it might have been you or someone with some clarity said to me do you think he could have just meant hey Lee can you give me a call later Mm -hmm. and so the shame that was infused in me yeah. automatically read this to be he didn't care he yeah. didn't want to have a relationship with me yeah yeah and and to throw the phone down right yeah 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 um and we're still he's still my silas and we still laugh about that um and um yeah i've got some incredible friendships and and, and i want to carry on to a point where i said to you earlier that i needed more I remember when what I call the collapse in a, a March of 11 happened. My family, my wife and kids, um, just decided that it was best that they leave and go um, have um, some distance and some time. And I remember calling you, and you gave me a referral to you know, one of the most renowned psychologist in the area on rage codependence Mm -hmm. um and and i went to him and i was honest and um he was a vital um, help in in the healing process and the and, and reiterating that no matter what i had done no matter what i had said no matter what action i had done in anything that god loves me and then there's nothing that I could do about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that was that was powerful. Um, so when I think about my experience in, in Samson, it it, 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 it it goes into 48 hour weekends and um, <laughs> Chip Dodd's work on the voice of the heart. So many things, as Art Armand said, as I walked through that one door of honesty, other things. Yeah. God opened up for me. That's exactly what I needed. Right. Yeah. 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 And the journey continues. Who knows what the next door is going to be? And the journey continues. I'm in a meeting this last Saturday. I mean, I need 
to continually to go to meetings. Yeah. It's not like, okay, now what? I mean, I'm, I'm a man who needs to be in fellowship with other men who can be honest and, and who can be loved and who can give love. Yeah. Wow. So, Dana, I think an important part of what I'm hearing here today is for those folks that, uh, for whatever reason, tune in but still have that question in the back of their head, is this a, you know, mostly an honesty about sex and addiction group? And I certainly remember the, I think it was the first time I visited and stayed at your house and they had just had, was it Christianity Today? That had uh, run the article about the Samson Society. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and it was just all sex addiction. Yeah. And I have n- I have never been in a room with so many angry men as the meeting after the meeting when that <laughs> magazine came out. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm not a sex addict, said one man. Uh, so uh, I th- I think you said earlier uh, addiction is not always the most helpful word. I right. think it. It provides a vocabulary for some that is absolutely necessary. And for others, we need to understand that uh, addiction is just a word that describes something that most of us experience, whether it's, I don't know how to uh, soothe this feeling in my heart without yelling at someone, without breaking something, whether it's uh, I have to be in control of everything or else my fear and panic uh, runs rampant. I've talked to a lot of wives over the years uh, where they didn't feel like addiction was their thing because they didn't drink or do drugs or look at pornography, and yet those, the anger, the control, all of that met the same need in their heart, which was, how can I keep from actually surrendering to God? What tool can I use to replace him with to either feel in control or feel better that I know I'm not in control? Mm-hmm. Like from one of those two perspectives, where am I going? Yeah. How am I feeling that? And that's what we need community for. We don't need community because we're addicts. We need community because we're humans on a journey learning how to surrender to the love of God and his sovereignty that he is in control and I can trust him with my life. Yeah. Yeah. Mark, where does this conversation take you? Well, real quick, we, we've had a listener survey and uh, I've had a chance to talk to a lot of men. And I know um, if I look around the virtual group in my imagination, uh, I know we have a food addict among us. Right. Uh, who comes um, sometimes to uh, my local group. Uh, I know we have a man who struggled with gambling in a, yeah. in a big way. And uh, I know uh, that there's a, a man who uh, who has finally come to the end of himself related to alcohol. Mm-hmm. And I'm grateful for that. For me, um, uh, you know, I if you've listened to the podcast, you've heard me talk about I, I was – I was the Pharisee. I was the religious guy. Mm-hmm. You know, I'd spent 13 years in ministry. I had, you know, I I knew the scriptures, and I I thought that the the scriptures were were everything that I needed for faith and practice. And, yeah. And uh, um, here I stood in 2012, um, having a nuclear event in my marriage, going, I don't know what to do. Yeah. No, the Bible studies haven't worked. 
the counseling I've tried, and I never really tried counseling. I'd stuck my toe in it at best. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Counseling I hadn't tried. You know, all the, you know, how, how, you know, perfect attendance at church, well, that didn't work. Perfect attendance at Sunday school, that didn't work. Uh, all these quiet times, all these journals that are stacked up on the shelf and, 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 you know, in my office in the garage, Yeah. you know, what, 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 what good was all of this journaling, all of my thoughts and feelings all these years. And I had a guy, he's a cardiologist in town, go, go to Samson Society. Mm -hmm. I went, no, Uh, I'd worked at Thomas Nelson when your book was released and your book had a quote reputation. Yeah. Yeah. I went to the church where you attended Yeah. and the group had a reputation. Both were totally inaccurate. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, and I pushed back on <laughs> my friend Chris, and I, and I said, "You gotta be kidding me!" Yeah. And he le- and he leaned forward. We were at Logan's, uh-huh. and he leaned across the table and said, well, "What what would you what would you say to me if if I told you I've been going for two years?" <laughs> and I went, "What?" <laughs> and he's like, "Just go, give yeah. it three meetings, yeah. and go." Yeah, and so this guy who struggled with rage, like Lee, this guy who struggled with money, and this guy who struggled with a great sense of failure, and a guy who was paralyzed by fear, yeah, walked into a meeting and had a horrible first meeting, mm-hmm. absolutely horrendously nasty first meeting. I carried my Bible in my journal like a good Pharisee, yeah, yeah, and was confronted by a member of the group afterward. Don't bring that. Oh, don't no. don't don't you ever bring that back here. That has no place at this meeting. And. uh and I remember thinking right in that moment, okay, I made a commitment to Chris, I'll give it three meetings. Yeah. And I was at such the end of my rope that I was. And uh, the biggest thing for me that attending, I, I attended Monday night faithfully, because <laughs> that's that's just how I roll, uh, for like a year, year and two months or something before I was introduced to another meeting, which a different, different, a little bit different style, a little bit different taste, yeah. which really resonated with me. I also had the privilege of sitting with you over over twelve Tuesday mornings, and mm-hmm. um, uh, and I'm I'm still incredibly grateful for that. But um, uh, what I realized is that uh, I have to be I had to have been one of the most judgmental people on the planet mm-hmm. because as I looked around this group, and especially the men um, who who struggled with uh, with with their proclivities, um, um, getting to go guys who. Who struggle with things that I don't struggle with, and and, and all of those experiences help me see the rich tapestry of that, and help me raise my hand and say I'm proud to be a pirate monk. Yeah. Um, and over the last four years, I wouldn't be where I am. I wouldn't be sitting in this room here in the clubhouse if if I hadn't been through those things. Yeah. But I came in big chip on my shoulder. Sure. Big um, every reason under the under the sun that this was a mistake. Yeah. But it was for me. And uh, um, I'm grateful for it. I'm grateful for you. I'm grateful for the book. I'm grateful for this podcast. All the time I listened to it before I got involved. And uh, I'm grateful for the new guys who keep walking in the door. There's a a gentleman now who serves in our armed forces. He is uh, an officer in the armed forces who is stationed here for a time. And it is an honor. Yeah. It's an honor to walk with him. Yeah. Uh, because he's never had this type of of interaction in all of his in all of his billets and all of his stations. He's been involved in Bible studies. He's you know been to the chaplain and yeah. all those types of things. But he's finally finding freedom for the first time because he's able to get plugged into this group. And he yeah. knows his time is short, and it it hurts him. Yeah. Uh, but he will be taking Samson with him 
when he goes. That's fantastic. And um, I'm grateful for that. Yeah, I want to just close with one thing. You know, there were many Monday nights that, for whatever reason, I didn't want to go. I was tired. It was what, whatever. But I can remember my sweet daughter, Madeline, would come up to me, and she'd say, Dad, are you going to Samson? Mm. Because she knew when I went to Samson that I was better. Yeah. That I was different, and that I could... I was safer for her to approach. Wow. Wow. So. Well, this has been quite a conversation. What a nice I so look forward to th- these meetings. We get to we get we get to have the meeting together and then we share it with our friends, seen and unseen all around the world. We'll be back with uh, just some closing thoughts. So stay with us on the Pirate Monk Podcast. Oh, the road is long With many a winding turn That leads us to who knows where Who knows where But I'm strong Strong enough to carry him He ain't heavy You see, he's my brother So on we go His welfare is my concern No burden is he to bear We'll get there And I know He would not encumber me He ain't heavy, no Lord He's my brother If I'm late at home I'm late with sadness That I have While we're on our way to there Why don't we share And the load Lord, the load Don't weigh me down at all She ain't heavy, no load my brother 
Welcome back. It has been a good day. It has been nice to hang out and hear hear some some very real and powerful stories about what uh, learning to meet with other men and trust has meant. Um, so I hope I hope you get involved one way or the other. Get involved with people's lives. Get involved with a local Samson group. Uh, you can actually find out where there are local groups. On the uh, website, right, Nate? Is that still... That's right, samsonsociety.net. You have to register to get inside. We're trying to protect the community from spammers and all that kind of stuff. But, yeah, information is there. So, uh, check that out. See if there's a local group happening. Also, feel free to contact us uh, either via Facebook. We love when people uh, have some Facebook interaction with one another. That is social media. And for the most time, I... Uh, for the most part, I think it's stupid and annoying, but in this case, I'm making an exception. It's awesome. <laughs> I want to <laughs> I want to know who's out there, and uh, I love when it pops up on my Facebook that someone's made a, a comment there. You can also send us an email at piratemonkpodcast at gmail. Is that what it is? That's what it is. Piratemonkpodcast right. at gmail.com. That was my first attempt in like 170 episodes of actually giving them the email address. Yay for me. Yeah. And it's barely 9 o'clock. You can visit this podcast, its very own website that Mark has set up uh, at piratemonkpodcast.com. And uh, that's a good place, by the way, to find links to other things, including the upcoming retreat. Yeah, so don't forget to register for this upcoming retreat. We would love to hang out with you face-to-face to have some conversations and to spend a few days just growing closer to Jesus and one another. And that is the Pirate Monk Podcast. Thanks for hanging out with us. My name is Aaron Porter. I'm Nate. I'm Mark. And we're your pals here on the Pirate Monk Podcast. Junior, baby, preaching recovery.